Amen. As you make your way back to your seats, please remain standing. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Amen. I, I can honestly say probably more than ever before when pastor has been absent and I've been here. My, how I wish he were here right now. Amen. You know, it's, for me, the, I, I would love to be able to turn around and say, Dad, what do I do? <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I had, I prayed, I told the Lord I didn't want to miss it this morning. I had men in this house pray for me. I don't want to miss it. Amen. But I feel a mandate to preach. Amen. The Bible says that God chose, it pleased him that by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. Amen. And I know there are miracles that, that people need in this house. But what a tragedy if someone received a healing and somebody else missed heaven. name of Jesus in the name of Jesus and so by the help of the Holy Ghost I want to preach the Bible says in Hebrews this isn't what I'm reading as a text but in Hebrews and in Psalms it says today if you will hear his voice harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness amen and I have prayed and, and I have prayed that today you would hear the voice of God not that a man's voice would be exalted to the place. Herod, when he had spoken, they shouted. It's the voice of a God and not of a man. They had exalted a man's voice to the place of God. And Herod got in trouble for it. Amen. That is not what I hope happens today. But I hope that the Spirit, I pray that the Spirit that flows in this house for the remainder of this service that the good people of God with their discernment would be able to tell this is the word of God. God, God, God. Why don't we pray one more time? Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and the Lord sent Nathan unto David and he came unto him and said unto him there were two men in one city the one rich and the other poor the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb which he had brought bought and nourished up it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his own bosom. And was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, 
As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. I think I'm getting ahead of him. That's all right, though. I told him 12, 1 through 5. I'm going to read 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. David said, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And Nathan said, David, you're the man. Verse 13, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. David said, The man that did this needs to die. And Nathan said, He said, You're the man. You're the man, David. And David said, Oh, Lord, I've sinned. I've sinned. And Nathan said, Yeah. But the Lord's put away your sin. And you're not going to die. I want to preach for just a few moments from this title. It matters when you run to the altar. Amen. It matters when. Everybody say when. It matters when you run to the altar. Let's lift up our hands and pray all over this house right now. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord right now? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. Many of us know, but for those of us who may be unfamiliar with the story, what has happened is that David has been anointed king over Israel. And as his armies are out to battle, he skips warfare. And he walks upon the top of the castle and he sees a woman bathing that was not his wife. And he, he lusts after her, brings her in. Adultery is committed. And then to try to cover that the fact that she is with child, he brings in her husband who was one of his mighty men. And he tries, he, over and over he tries to hide this sin. And when the husband was more honorable than the king... David sends a letter by the hand of Uriah the Hittite, the husband of Bathsheba, that tells Joab to put Uriah in the forefront of the hottest part of the battle and to move in, in, in warfare then it was understood that you did not draw too close to a wall for a, a fortified city would put archers atop a wall and and with, with the, 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 you could say, technology or the mechanics of that day, their, their archery was not probably what we would know archery as, but they had a range from the elevated position of the wall. And so he, he tells Joab, he knows if we can push this soldier too close to the wall 
and then retreat from him. He will be the only target for the archers that are atop the wall. And so Joab follows through with the plan and, and Uriah is sent to the forefront of the hottest part of the battle and then they retreat the rest of the soldiers away from him and Uriah is killed in the battle by an enemy archer. But actually he was killed by the calculation and the cunning of the man after God's own heart. Amen. Sounds relatively oxymoronic that he was killed by the man after God's own heart. Amen. The fact of the matter is that I don't know the mind of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that God does not think. He says, he says my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. God doesn't think like we do and he doesn't act like we do. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. And I'm sure David was thankful for it when he said, whoever did this is going to die. And then he said, yeah, you're the man. Yeah. Thank God he doesn't think like us. Thank God he doesn't, he doesn't act in judgment as we do. Amen. And so I don't know the mind of God in the moment as David pins the letter to Joab. Send him to the forefront, the hottest part of the battle. I don't know the mind of God as he pins it. But I'm sure he wasn't thinking this guy is the guy after my heart. Amen. Y'all going to help me this morning? I don't think that God had it in his mind and in, in his spirit as Joab sends, by the command of David, he sends Uriah to the forefront of the battle and then tells the soldiers around him, retreat, knowing that Uriah will be the only target left for the enemy. I don't think God looked down on that and thought, you know, that dude is the man after my own heart. Amen. As a matter of fact, we can deduce this very simply by the fact that the Bible says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And Nathan begins to preach a message that's so close to the heart of David. It's about the lamb. And David is the shepherd that would give his life for a lamb. He's the one that went after the lion. He's the one that went after the bear. He's the one that went after Goliath. Amen. There was something in the heart of David that loved the, the, the weakness, you could say, of the sheep and said, I'm going to stand in the gap. Amen. When the enemy's coming against the sheep, I'm going to be there to protect them. And so the man of God starts to preach to him and he said, you know, there was a man that he just had one little lamb. And there was a rich man. He had a ton of flocks and herds and and a traveler came and the rich man, he didn't want to take of his own stuff. So he took the one thing that the poor man had and he slays the lamb and he feeds it to the traveler. And David, he's furious as he, as he recounts, no doubt, the time that that lion grabbed that little lamb. And he grabbed that lion with his bare hands and he began to rip it limb from limb. I, I don't doubt that David's mind went there as Nathan is preaching and he thought, how can someone do this to a man that just had one lamb? As surely as God lives, this man is going to die for what he's done. And the preacher says, David, you are the man. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I don't doubt that at the very moment the prophet looks at David after
scripture, he said, the man that does this is going to die as surely as God is alive. This man will die for what he's done. And Nathan said, David, you're the man. I don't doubt that David really wanted to retract his statement. At that moment, judgment had already escaped from his mouth. And no doubt he wanted to pull it back in because now the words that he has presented against somebody else are chasing him down in judgment and he turns who does he turn to he turns and says I have sinned against the Lord amen amen one statement I have sinned against the Lord everybody say that I have sinned against the Lord Amen. The Bible says that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. It also says that the wages of sin is death. One statement after the message. I have sinned against the Lord. Amen. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. One statement, I have sinned against the Lord. And God said, I've put it away. You're not going to die. Now, according to the law of Moses, the Bible says that if a man would lie with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress were to be killed. That's what, that's what the law said. And judgment, judgment is, is the, the doling out of the law. Amen. The law says this is what happened. The, the law has no emotion. It only has fact. The law says this is what has happened. And this is what must be done. The same thing happens when the accusers, the Pharisees, would bring the woman to Jesus that was caught in adultery in the very act and they said the law of Moses said that she should be stoned no emotion no 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 room for mercy no no room for love no room for grace but the law says and and it's black and white there's no gray area in between and and this is what the law says and so they literally pit the law of God against the manifestation of God. And so when the manifestation sees that they're trying to use black and white and, and, and he perceives their hypocrisy, his, his response is, he that is without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Amen. Now, the words had not been penned in the book of Romans yet that day that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. But I'm going to tell you, God manifest in the flesh understood that. And so when they brought the law and said, this woman is worthy of death because she was caught in adultery according to the law, Jesus said, well, I know some things about you too. And so I'm going to see how much you know about yourself. He that is without sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. Amen. And you know the story. Is that one by one? It says, I believe it says, from the eldest even unto the least. They went out one by one. And at the end, Jesus would ask, where are your accusers? 
She said, no man has condemned me. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen. Go and sin no more. He didn't overlook the sin problem. He just dealt with it in mercy. The name of Jesus. Amen. And so what's happening here with the man after God's own heart, as he would be pinned before and after this occurrence. What's happening is that the man has fallen. Something has happened that should not have happened. But God, in, and, and, and you got to understand that God is just. And what justice does is it, it, it looks at the law and says this is what must happen because of the law. God is just, but God is also merciful. Amen. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And so if, if, if I can just paint a portrait in your mind, every man falls. The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not one. Amen. The, the Bible says rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. Amen. Amen. What does it say? A just man falleth seven times. That's not a numeric calculation. It's a, it's a symbolic of completion. A just man can totally fall. Amen. Oh, God help us. And so from the moment, because none are exempt, there is none perfect. Amen. There is none righteous. No, not one. Jesus. And so from the moment that sin is committed, from the moment that wrong is committed, judgment Judgment is, you're on a collision course with judgment. Amen. As a matter of fact, I believe it's the prophet would say, because judgment does not come swiftly, that the hearts of the, the sons of men are puffed up to do evil. you got to understand, just because you don't get your whipping at the very moment that you commit wrong, does not mean that justice won't catch up to you. Amen. The name of Jesus. And so this happens in, it happens in the natural, but it happens in the spiritual. And so from the time that wrong is committed, you have to understand that you are on a collision course with judgment. The wages of sin is death. And so in the midst of that time, between, between sin and judgment, between action and consequence, the time period is called mercy. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I need somebody to help me this morning to preach this. In the name of Jesus, in the book of Revelation, Jesus would speak of the woman in the church and, and he refers to her as that Jezebel. He said, I gave her a space to repent and she repented not. What is that? That's between sin and judgment. It's a space to repent and that space is called mercy. The Bible would say he shall have judgment without mercy who has shown no mercy. But mercy rejoices against judgment. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm telling you, I feel 
a mandate in the Holy Ghost. I felt it from prayer meeting this morning. I'm not preaching at anybody in this church. I'm standing in the gap between judgment, between consequence. And God, help us right now. I'm telling you, if you're under the sound of my voice this morning, you're in the space of mercy. But it matters when you run to the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you have David, the man after God's own heart, the murdering adulterer. This man has, I don't know, I think there's six or seven brothers. The coolest part to me is that he has two sisters. David has two sisters. One by the name of Zeruiah and one by the name of Abigail. Amen. Abigail has a son by a man named Jether, an Ishmaelite. And the son's name is Amasa. Zeruiah has three sons by the names of Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. Amen. Joab is David's nephew. Amen. So is Amasa. And in the process of time, David becomes the king. We know he was just a shepherd boy. He becomes the king first in Judah. And while he is king in Judah, he puts his nephew, Joab, over his host. And David's anointing, the prophecy upon him, is that he would rule over the kingdom of Israel. Not a divided kingdom, but the entirety of the kingdom. And so, although he's only reigning over the tribe of Judah in Hebron, and Ishbosheth, the, the, the son of Saul, is reigning in Israel, David knows it's just a matter of time before I get those ten tribes as well. So you have the son of Saul is the king of Israel, and David is the king over Judah. And the son of Saul, Ishbosheth, has a captain of the host named Abner. David has a captain of a host named Joab. The first time you find Joab's name in the Bible, you find that he takes his host to a pool while David is ruling the, the, the smaller kingdom of Judah. And it just so happens that on the same day, at the same time, Abner brings his host to the pool. And so you have opposing nations at that time, opposing kingdoms, with opposing captains and opposing armies. And they're all at the same waterhole. Well, that may preach. Amen. And so Abner says to Joab, which is David's nephew, he says, why don't we let the young men rise up and play before us? I'll just tell you, they were pretty twisted back then because they weren't like playing basketball. What he's saying is, let's take 12 and 12 and put them in an arena and see how they do. Amen. It was like Israeli gladiators. So the 12, take the 12, they begin to fight. 
It says everyone grabbed the other by his beard and smote him under the fifth rib. All 24 die right then. And this battle ensues. And, and so Joab is pursuing this, this army of Abner. And the Bible says that Asahel, which is Joab's brother, was as light of foot as a roe, which is a deer. And Abner is escaping in a chariot. And Joab's brother is chasing him on foot. And Abner turns to him. From the chariot. And he says quit chasing me. He said. If I have to kill you. How am I even going to be able to look at your brother? The statement that Abner makes. Now you you can say what you want to about Abner. But this is an honorable man. In this moment. He says please quit coming after me. Because I'm not going to let you kill me. But if you want to make it. A matter of life and death. Then I will kill you. And if I kill you, how am I even going to be able to look? How am I going to be able to look at your brother, Joab? And Asahel would not quit chasing Abner. The Bible tells us that he takes the hinder part of his spear. And some would say that he was just trying to knock Asahel to the ground. Uh, I, I, I I have a different opinion of that. I, I just... They, at that point, they had spears and they would put almost a dagger tip on the end. And, and I, just, I just don't think a blunt spear would have gone all the way through him and out his back. But Abner told him, stop! Stop, I said. And he didn't stop. So Abner turns around and he smites Asahel through the ribs, out the back, kills him right there. And it infuriates Joab. He pursues Abner. Finally, Abner turns around and he tells him. He says, how long is it going to be that brother fights against brother? This ain't how it's supposed to be in this kingdom. So Joab, he gets it. Blows a trumpet. Okay, everybody back to your tents. They go back to their tents. Just bear with me for a moment. We're going somewhere, I promise. In the name of Jesus. And so Joab returns. Now, according to the law, if a man killed A man's relative. So Abner kills Asahel. Joab, according to the law, is the revenger of blood. According to the law, Joab has the right to kill Abner now. As long as Abner is not in a city of refuge. So time progresses, the kingdom's... The kingdoms, uh, David's kingdom grows and Saul's kingdom diminishes. And, and so finally Abner, he, he gets into it with Ishbosheth, and, and he comes to David. And he said, man, I'm sick of dealing with this guy. This is Darren Moe's version. I'm sick of dealing with him. And so if, if, if you'll make a league with me, I'll bring the entire rest of the kingdom back to you. What he's saying is really, it, it, Abner's saying, I really run the kingdom. Ishbosheth is just a figurehead of Saul's house. But everything that happens, I'm in charge of. And so if you'll make a league with me, I'll just bring them all to you. And David, he, he and, and now mind you, this is in Hebron, which is a city of refuge. Okay? So even though Joab is a revenger of blood, he cannot kill Abner inside of Hebron. It's a city of refuge. But Joab's not even there. He's out pursuing a troop. And so David makes a league with Abner. He sends him away in peace. Joab comes and they say, hey man, Abner is just here. So Joab gets mad at David because he has hatred in his heart for Abner over the death of his brother Asahel. And so so Joab takes and he calls Abner back 
And, and man, come over here. I, I need to talk to you. And so, so he pulls Abner off to the side. And Abner's completely unaware of what's going to happen. And Joab smites him under the fifth rib with a dagger. Abner dies right there. Outside the city. Just a couple steps. This is why David would say, died Abner as a fool dieth? If he'd have just stayed inside the city of refuge, the law would not have covered Joab's actions. But the law covered Joab's actions because he was the revenger of blood. Amen. And then in time after this happens, now Joab is the one that carries out the plan of David. So Joab knows David is a murderer. I'm just the captain that carried out the plan. It was his idea. Okay? And then all of a sudden, the woman's pregnant and all this stuff. And so Joab puts all the pieces together. He knows what David's done. He knows what David's done. He's got all the pieces put together. What he doesn't know is that Nathan the prophet preached to David. And that David repented. Amen. God help me right now. And so... Part of the consequence of what's happened with David. He said, you did it secretly. He said, but because you did this, I'm going to do it in the sight of all the sun. This is God telling David, he said, the sword is never going to depart from your house. So we know that the consequence of this was the revolt by Absalom. So he takes all these things. The one request that David had when his son has rebelled and taken the kingdom. As Joab goes to battle... Against Absalom and the armies of Israel after, after David has escaped. He said, do not kill my son. Whatever you do, don't kill him. Now why would David say that? This is a man that has taken over the kingdom. Because David knew. He, the only reason he's doing this. Is because of the judgment that God pronounced against me for my misaction. And so really, Absalom was just the tool. So David says, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. So in the battle, we know the story. Absalom's riding a mule. His hair gets caught in an oak tree. He's hanging between the tree and the ground. And the soldiers see him. And they know the command of David. Do not kill Absalom. So they tell Joab, hey, Absalom's back there hanging in a tree. He said, why didn't you kill him? Because the king said not to. Let me tell you something. Absalom had just burned all all of Joab's Fields to the ground. And so Joab goes back and he shoots three arrows through Absalom's heart while he hangs from the tree. Now, he could have blamed it on the fact that this is a traitor to the kingdom of Israel. But I just can't help but wonder if he was thinking about those fields on fire while he was shooting those arrows. You see what Joab is doing. He's calculated and he's strategic. And everything he's doing is covered by the law. But it's still not morally right. And this is a problem. And so then, after all this happens, David puts Amasa in as the captain of the host in the room of Joab. And so now, Joab is not the captain of the host anymore. It's Amasa, which is actually Joab's cousin and David's other nephew. Which is why he would say, you're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And you're going to be over the the kingdom. You're going to be over the host. And so Amasa is now the ruler and, and, and the tribe split again. It's just a terrible time of turmoil after Absalom has revolted and so David tells his other nephew Amasa he says now go and gather all the army together 
We've got a battle to fight. Be back in three days. And it takes Amasa longer than he's supposed to. He's not back by the end of three days. So, so David turns to Joab and Abishai. And he says, go. Go fight against the house of Saul. We've got to take the kingdom back. And so as they go, Amasa comes. I, I, I promise we're going somewhere. Amasa comes. He's got all the men with him. He has, he has fulfilled the commandment of David. But Amasa stuck with Absalom in the revolt. He was the captain of the host that Joab had fought against. And then David put him over his host. He took Joab's spot. And so, so then you have this, you know, who knows what he's doing when he doesn't make it back in three days. So Joab is playing as if Amasa may be a traitor too. Because he's stuck with Absalom. So he comes and the Bible says he takes him by the beard. He pulls him in. And he says, art thou in health, my brother? Literally in our language, that would be, are you doing okay? And as Amasa goes to embrace Joab. Joab sticks the dagger in under his ribs. Cuts all the way from side to side. And Amasa's guts literally fall onto the ground. And he falls down, the Bible says, wallowing in his own blood. Amen. Okay. But all of these actions are covered by the law. You can kill an enemy. You can kill a traitor. You can revenge blood. David is just a murderer. And an adulterer. He is not covered by the law. The problem is that it wasn't about following. The Pharisees followed the law. But their heart wasn't right. The name of Jesus. And so as David is dying. And he's going to turn the kingdom over to his son Solomon. Adonijah. Absalom's younger brother. Decides it's time for me to take the kingdom. Yeah, Absalom failed. I'm not going to. And so he gets one of the priests. I believe it's Abiathar. He gets Joab. Yeah. And so he's got a priest and a captain. And he gets some guys together and they blow a trumpet. Adonijah's the king. God save King Adonijah. And Nathan, the prophet, comes to Bathsheba and he says, Hey. The Lord said that your son was going to be king. And he said, do you know what's happening over here? He said, you better go in and talk to David. So Bathsheba goes before David. We know the story. He says, take Solomon. Put him on my mule. Take him through Jerusalem. Blow the trumpet. Scream, shout, God save King Solomon. Then you come and you set him on my throne. And so the rebellion is thwarted before it ever really gets any traction and and Adonijah just runs his way, and Joab runs his way, and Abiathar runs his way, and everybody just kind of runs to their separate holes. But as David is dying, he tells Solomon, he says, don't let Joab die in peace. He said, this is the statement, for he shed the blood of war. Everybody say the blood of war. He shed the blood of war in a time of peace. 
name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. So time goes on. The kingdom is established. Solomon. And there's, there's a happening. I don't fully understand all that happens. But Adonijah asked for a wife that, that had, had worked with David when he was dying. And, and it threw Solomon over the edge. I don't know the custom or the culture that caused the response. But when they just ask, when they ask, he said he's spoken this against his own life. He sends Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, to slay Adonijah. Then he takes Abiathar. And he's, because these were the three that were in cahoots together. When Solomon was supposed to be the king. And so he takes Abiathar. He said, you're worthy of death. But I'm not going to kill you. Because you, you were the one that, that you bore the ark before my father David. He said, but you go to your own house. You're not going to be a priest here anymore. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 2. Then tidings came to Joab. For Joab had turned after Adonijah, though he turned not after Absalom. And Joab fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord and caught hold on the horns of the altar. And it was told King Solomon that Joab was fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord, and behold, he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go, fall upon him. And Benaiah came to the tabernacle of the Lord and said unto him, Thus saith the king, Come forth. And he said, No, but I will die here. Amen. And Benaiah brought the king word again, saying, Thus said Joab. And thus he answered me. And the king said unto him, Do as he has said, and fall upon him and bury him, that thou mayest take away the innocent blood which Joab shed from me and from the house of my father. And the Lord shall return his blood upon his own head, who fell upon two men more righteous and better than he, and slew them with the sword. My father David, not knowing thereof, to wit, Abner the son of Ner, captain of the host of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jether, captain of the host of Judah. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his seed forever. But upon David and upon his seed and upon his house and upon his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So Benaiah the son of Jehoiada went up and fell on him and slew him and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. Name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. How? How? He ran to the altar. How does the man? Now, I, I, I want you to hear this. I want you to understand this. Joab was the one who conquered the city of Jebus, which became Jerusalem. It was Joab that made way for David to reign in Jerusalem. It was Joab that conquered so many of the enemies of the Lord. He did it over and over. He was a mighty man of valor. He was the captain of the host. And he was covered by the letter of the law. Name of Jesus. How, how did that man die? By the sword. While clinging to the horns of the altar. And David, the man who truly should have been stoned by the congregation. 
ends up the man after God's own heart. It's because it matters when you run to the altar. I'm almost done preaching, I promise. I know the time. Amen. Amen. I did a, I, I did a search. And you will find that Joab never approached the altar until this moment. Amen. David made the statement. He said, these sons of Zeruiah be too hard for me. There was something, there was something in them that when David, yeah, he had his faults, he had his flaws, and yeah, maybe, maybe he should have been thrown away a long time ago, but there was something in David that knew when the word of God comes to me, I have to run to the altar. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I, I'm telling you, I feel a burden in my spirit to preach. I'm just going to preach for a few minutes to this church. But there are people in this house, and none of us are perfect. Amen. It's okay that you made mistakes, and it's okay that, that maybe you haven't gotten it right yet. Because I believe that today is a day of mercy. I believe that today is the day of salvation. Amen. It would say today, if you will hear his voice, hearted. And not your hearts as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. But it matters when you run to the altar. I wonder what would happen in churches if we cared less about our reputation and more about our salvation. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. What would happen? Oh, what would they think if I ran to the altar? Especially after he preached this message. They're going to think something's going on. Who cares what they think? Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, you have to understand, this was not something that, that hell was bringing against the congregation. This was something the congregation was bringing against God. They weren't being tempted by hell. God was being tempted by the hardness of their heart. So how, how? Tidings come to Joab. And the Bible says he fled. He ran to the altar. And he got hold of the altar. But the problem was that he never ran to the altar until judgment had been commissioned in the throne room. Come on. Come on. You're in the space right now. You're in the space, the time of repentance. You're in the space of mercy right now. Amen. But, but the word of God can't come to you over and over and over. And you just harden your heart every time. Well, I ain't going to let that preacher get to me today. Well, maybe there's coming a day where a sword comes after you instead of a preacher. And God forbid you run to the altar then and find it's too late. 
nation would be in this house today. I know this ain't popular preaching and, and, and whatever. That, that may work for you. But I'm thankful for every man of God when I was a little boy that stood up and preached and dragged me to the altar by my nose. And the word of God, I pray that old-fashioned conviction would fall in this house today. Come on, it matters when you run to the altar. I'm here to tell you today, why don't we stand together? You don't need to wait too late. You don't need to wait until judgment is already commissioned in the throne room. Today is the day of salvation. How does the murdering, adulterous David, how does he make it? How, how is he pinned as the man after God's own heart? I was there! I wonder what was going through Joab's mind as he was holding on to the altar. I wonder if he thought about David. How did that man get away with what he did? Sir, he didn't get away with it. He got it covered by the blood. Because he knew when to run to the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on, there's people all over this house right now. And you're in the in-between. You're in the in-between. You're in the in-between, and I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost gave me a message to preach to you. It matters. It matters when you respond. It matters when you run to the altar. There is a God of mercy and a God of grace and a God of faithfulness and loving kindness. He's desiring to touch you today. He's desi- he said, oh, oh, you heard it read today. Though your sins be as scarlet. <laughs> it matters. It matters when you run to the altar. Come on, I wish that every single soul in this place would find yourself an altar of repentance right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I wish that you would really get serious with God right now. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is that you've done. I don't care when you did it. Oh, but what you do today matters. How you respond today matters. It matters when you run to the altar. Come on, saints, let's pray together. Come on, why don't you just pour your heart out to God right now? Come on, pour your heart out to God right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, oh God, okay. Come on, before it's too late. Before it's too late. Before it's too late. He called a
I wish every single individual in this house would pray right now. That you would bow your head and close your eyes. Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to invite you right now. You know, we get so caught up in reputation. It's like, well, if I go to the altar, they may think this, they may think that. Well, fully on them. Amen. There are things, there are things in every heart. You hear me? Every heart and every life. Every life. When Jesus... When Jesus spoke his final words to the church in the book of Revelation, six out of seven churches, he told them, repent. Amen. You know what that means? That means that in the course of doing your dead level best, you you still, you still run into turbulence in your life. Amen. You ain't going to say everything right. You ain't going to do everything right. It's just the way that it is. But you know what? If you don't get it fixed... If you don't get it fixed, then it just simmers and it grows. Before too long, you're lost. 
and, and, and you're still dressed like everybody else and, and, and you still come to church when everybody else does but there, there's a disconnect between you and God and that nearness is gone and, God. and you look around how did I get here? What, what, what happened? Just the little foxes that spoil the vine. Amen. That's why you've got to come to an altar. You've got to come to an altar. I want to invite you right now. I wish that everybody in the building would gather around this front. And I wish that you would just have a genuine conversation with God. God, anything in my heart, Lord, anything in my spirit. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, God. Renew in me a right heart, a clean spirit, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, it matters when. It matters when. It's time to nip some things in the bud. It's time to clear the air on some things. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, church. Come on, church. Oh, I feel the fear of God in this place. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, don't walk out the door. Don't walk out the door with things in your heart. Come on, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Come on, today is the day. Don't wait till tonight. Don't wait till tomorrow night at prayer meeting. Don't wait till Wednesday night. Come on, don't wait till the evangelist comes in. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you'll hear his voice. Today, come on, today, he put a space on it. Today, come on, it's time to get it right, right now. Right now is the time. Right now is the time.
Hallelujah. Come on all over the house. Lift up your hands one more time. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God, work on each and every one of us. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want to be ready. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. Church, I, I, I want you to hear me. There is... There is nothing more important or pertinent than your salvation. Amen. And, and salvation is not just the night that you got the Holy Ghost. It is a walk with God. It is. I, I'm telling you, you, this is why you've got to. Jesus said, take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. Follow me. You got to find an altar of repentance every day. Crucify this flesh. The carnal mind is enmity against God. And I know we've heard it. I, I, I just, I just, I don't want to get so busy that I can't keep in my mind the trumpet could sound at any time. Amen. You know, you could leave this house. You could go be having lunch. And the eastern sky could split. And the trumpet could sound. Amen. We got to be ready. We got to be ready. We got to have a clean heart. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I, I, I want us to be aware I want us to be aware. Don't let the moments pass us by. Every call, to, you know, you're in a wonderful church. This place, there's so much power. Probably any given service, we wouldn't have to have preaching. Amen. But I, it just it just scares me when there's the same 30 people worshiping and, and the same 100 in the back just watching. Amen. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what you think of me if you come to prayer meeting and I'm sitting at this altar and I'm crying so hard I can't make any noise come out of my mouth. I don't know what you think. I don't know. I don't know what kind of imagination comes to you when, when you see, or like Pastor says, when he says, God, if there's anything in me that's not like you, clean it out. Get it out. He said, I don't mean to scare you. I don't know what thoughts go through your mind. But you know what? In, 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 in the greatest respect, and for lack of a better way, it, it, to say it, it doesn't faze me. Because I'm just trying, I'm just trying to make sure that my spirit and my heart are right with my God. And I, I wish that every apostolic would, would get that vision and that burden. God, it don't matter what anybody thinks of me. It don't matter if, if man, I, 
there was a there was somebody praying one time and somebody else told me they said that person has a devil and the thought that went through my mind was well if they do at least they're trying to get it out you're just standing there telling me about it I think there's more hope for the person that's crying out to God and may be possessed of Legion at, at, at the Gadarenes, he was unclothed and possessed and cut. And, I mean, he was a mess. But you know what? I bet he made it and Judas didn't. And Judas was with Jesus every step. I'm the, I'm the money man. Well, well, I wonder if Legion would have said, well, I'm the guy that got delivered and I'm glad about it. <laughs> what a tragedy. What a tragedy if we let moments pass us by. You know, and another thing, I know I'm, I'm, it's, it's lunchtime. But you know what? Even, even in days when a preacher preaches conviction and, and I don't feel like there's anything necessarily that, that you know I just need to run to the altar and repent over. I run to the altar and, and you know what I, I pray? I pray, God, don't let me ever become unfazed by conviction. God, I, I would rather be searching my heart and finding nothing than never feeling the need to search my heart. Amen, Jesus. Because it matters when you run to the altar. I'm going to run to the altar every opportunity I get. Amen. How about it? How about we run to the altar at 5.30 tonight? Have some prayer. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I love each and every one of you. God bless you. We'll see you tonight. Shake somebody's hand and testify to them. You're dismissed in the name.